0: And welcome to Africa, Stories in the 55. I'm Laura-Angela Bagnetto. Today, we're speaking to Karim Miskay, author of Arab Jazz, a thriller. Miskay, born in Côte d'Ivoire and raised in Paris by a French mother and Mauritanian father, writes about the true Paris, multicultural Paris. We sat down with him in our studios to find out how he would describe his novel, Arab Jazz.
1: How would I describe it? It's, uh, well... I think there was a a journalist that said it's a multicultural crime novel. (laughs) So maybe this is a a way to to sum it up, but more in marketing uh, way of seeing things. It's a book about Paris, basically, which is my city. And it's a book about what is, in my own eyes, uh, the real Paris. Because Paris, city of light, I mean, the city everybody knows about around the world, is mainly, let's say, white, Christian, French city, the way it is depicted mainly, which actually it is not. It is really a a multicultural city, just like uh, London or New York are. But... It's not the way France sells itself or sells Paris. Well, I mean, when I began writing the book, I didn't have the, the idea that I would write a book to tell about multicultural Paris, etc. I just began writing it. But uh, And then, of course, there is a crime. There is drug trafficking. There is religion also. There are many ingredients in this Yeah, Parisian Melting Pot.
0: As you said, it's a thriller, but I just wanted to read the first line because it's not your typical thriller. Mm -hmm. So the first line is, Ahmed is looking at the clouds in the sky, the clouds, the wondrous clouds floating up there. And I mean, this story involves murder, as you said, drugs, lies. But the first page, it it, it totally transcends that because it's a description of a glimpse into Ahmed's soul Mm -hmm. or his mind, at least.
1: Yes, I think... The whole book, in a way, is is inside Ahmed's soul, even if uh, he's not inside all of the chapters. But the book begins with him, and it's really, yes, inside his soul, his mindset. And that's the way we discover the world and reality. Because at the beginning, we don't know exactly what's happening. He's like... Traveling in in his own dreams, let's say he's a daydreamer. He doesn't do anything. He's uh, in this apartment in Paris. He rarely gets out just to grab some food and some books because he's addicted to books. He's addicted to crime novels. That's that's uh, how he sustains himself. And there is this, there is a link also to Africa, to the desert, to where he his parents were coming from, but where he's never been. So there is also this idea of exile, of being separated from from something that's behind him. This also is, is, uh, is the reality of many people who live in, in, in Paris today. There is, you live somewhere, but also uh, you know that your history puts you in connection with different places which are in your past. And in a way, you still live there partially.
0: Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, as, as you said, um, it takes place in Paris uh, for the most part. But it's your characterization of different religions, which is so interesting. I mean, you don't use stereotypes. It's, it's not like the greedy Jew, the, the horrible like, Muslims, the white people who saved the day. It's a totally <laughs> different ballgame. Can, can you tell us a, about that?
1: Yes. Uh, well, you know, I, I began writing this book just because primarily I'm a documentary filmmaker So I've been filming documentaries for 25 years now for different TV channels in France. And I had just finished a film about neo-fundamentalists. So the film was for Arte, a French and German cultural channel. The film was called Born Again. Uh, so this uh, saying uh, comes from the born-again Christians, the evangelical Christians. But I wanted to show how you can find exactly the same phenomenon in all the monotheistic religions, Jews, Christians, and Muslims. That's what I did. I filmed today neo-fundamentalists, In the east of France, in uh, Lorraine, in uh, Mulhouse and Strasbourg, in each city, a different religion. And uh, I wanted to know what, I mean, how they saw the world, how they saw themselves in the world also. And after making this film, which was a very special experience for me because I'm not a believer and uh, I'm very interested in religion. And I made several films about it, but it's not the way I am. So... I had to be very empathetic to, to the people I was filming. And I think then, I don't know, it was an uh, it was not a conscious way uh, of doing things. I mean, uh, I, I didn't say to myself, okay, now I'm going to write a novel uh, about what I've just been filming and experiencing. Uh, I just began one day writing it and it happened that all the characters, all the people I, I, I had seen during this shooting, in a way, they appeared in the book. You know, oh. but of course now they are fiction character, and I, I mix different characters and etc. Uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. I mean the way you write a novel, but it, it was really based in, rooted in my experience making this film. Not only, but a lot. And so, what was this experience? This experience was that I'm like anybody. I can have uh prejudices, but that's. One very interesting thing about journalism or documentary filmmaking is that you have to confront yourself to the the reality. I mean, and so you can imagine that the people are one way or another, but then you meet them, you spend time with them and you know that it is different because they are human beings and human beings are complicated and and, uh, always very original. So... Yes, I think that's why the characters are, um, uh, I don't know, like they are, maybe accurate, maybe it's not for me to say, but because I, I spend time with people like them and I had also to struggle with myself in a way to accept them as they are and to understand that uh, the way they are is more complicated than the way I, I would have imagined them without knowing them, you know?
0: <laughs> it, well, it, it comes across on the page, definitely. Uh. So Because without prejudice, like, then it makes you... You're more invested because you want to see really how they think. So this is your first book, uh, uh, yes, yes. And is. um why did you decide on a thriller?
1: Well, the thriller decided on me. Actually, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was—I I didn't decide anything uh, when I wrote this book. Actually, it's—I don't know. It—it was—it was just there. One day I began writing, and uh, I really saw Ahmed. I mean, the main character. It's like. Because I was living in a studio at that time, well, between two parts of my life, let's say. And, uh, and in this studio, which was not mine, it was a sublet, I think it was also maybe good for my imagination. I don't know, one day I began writing Ahmed, the first uh, sentence you you, you read, and, and he was there. So he changed the decoration uh, of the studio So, you know, he put all his uh, crime novels because I was living in a studio that was quite empty. And then Ahmed came and it was like filled with books, (laughs) Uh, his books, because he's always reading and uh, he puts them, you know, against the wall. And now there were four layers. The studio was beginning to shrink on me. It was a strange experience. You know, I just began writing and and, and it happened that his neighbor was killed, murdered, and he found the body. and, And then I was into a crime novel, but I didn't decide it. You know, I, I didn't sit there at my desk saying, OK, I'm going to write a thriller and it's going to be um, a success. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't even know that I was writing a thriller. But the one thing I knew from the very beginning, uh, I think at the end of the first or the second paragraph, I knew that I would write a novel. And, uh, and this time I, I would complete it. I would go t- until the end. So this was obvious from the first paragraphs. I don't know how or why, but uh, I knew it was there.
0: I I was wondering, would it be possible for you to read a small excerpt?
1: She is back at her father's workshop. She is nine years old, and this world apart, familiar yet strange, has always fascinated her, full of swirling smells, sounds, and textures that do not exist anywhere else, freshly tanned leather, Its softness as she holds it to her cheek. Its strength. The muffled echoes of generations of ancestors from Vilnius, with her father, the last one born there, the last to inherit that age-old knowledge and understanding before leaving for France. Gestures and attitudes that belonged to him alone and which she knew came from somewhere else, somewhere she would never know. She spent hours there, watching in silence, doing her homework, going over her lessons. Her father and his workshop, the only person and the only place where she could feel at peace, until she decided to cast off their protection to face the world. As she slips out of this bittersweet reverie, she glances over at Jean, who is even more absent than usual, immersed in the world of noir fiction, held tilted to one side to read the book titles. The Breton has never seen such a collection. Nights spent reading and re-reading under the sheets by the light of his orange torch come flooding back to him. First, Chase, then Horace McCoy, Chandler and Hammett, his favourite. As could be expected from the son of a communist from Saint-Paul-de-Léon. whiskey and class warfare, that is his cultural stock.
0: It's called Arab Jazz, of course. And when I was reading it, there's a part where Ahmed, who is, uh, as you just read, is a lover of these thrillers. Mm-hmm. He's speaking to Rachel, the policewoman, and he said that if he wrote a book, he would call it Arab Jazz. Yeah. Is this like a <laughs> nod to you, or uh, explain that?
1: Yeah, it's 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 really strange. You know, I was just writing, and then this sentence was on the page. I mean, I wrote the sentence and I said, okay, now I've got the title of the book. You know, for me, it was just a dialogue between them. They were like, "Mm, well, chatting and flirting a little bit and which is strange because he's the suspect and, uh, I can, it's not a spoiler, it's just at the beginning of the story, but uh, he's a suspect and she's the cop, so she should not, uh, well, they, sh- they, they should not have feelings for one another, but it's, uh, just the beginning of it. And yeah, and suddenly they have this exchange about James Elroy because she's a fan of Elroy. So he's surprised because he never thought that he would meet a woman fan of James Elroy. And she answers, but I'm a cop. <laughs> so- which is, I don't know, beyond gender, maybe. And then, yeah, when, when Rachel and Jean uh, leaves, uh, he thinks about the whole scene. And uh, that's when he, he says to himself, OK, if I finally get out of this story without uh, too much damage, I will write a book, a crime novel, and it's going to be called Arab Jazz. And I wrote this word and I was surprised myself. And I say, wow, this is a title, but because it's... It can be seen as maybe pretentious or, you know, to distort the title of White Jazz, uh, which is the book, a uh, very well-known uh, book of uh, of James L. Roy. But I had no choice, actually, because what other title could I have chosen now? <laughs> and of course, it's also strange because it blurs the lines between Ahmed and myself. So that's also a question, and uh, and many people have asked um, me also this question: like, uh, is Ahmed yourself? Well, he's uh, not working. He's supposed to be depressed, etc., etc., which is not my case. And he has read much more crime novels than I have. But <laughs> but of course, he is also a kind of doppelganger of the writer, meaning me. And and the fact that he chooses the title means that we don't know now who who's been writing this book. Was it me or was it him? Well, the question is still open.
0: <laughs> like he's already invested. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he was like a spirit or I don't know. It's, uh, b- because for me, writing, that's what writing is about. You are not exactly yourself. It's like, you know, there is this uh, concept of the daemon in Greek philosophy, the daemon, which, which gave uh, birth to the word "demon" in French, which means devil. But the daemon is something, it's, it's like maybe the id in Freud's theory. It's something that is inside of you, but you don't, you, you don't have any control in it. But it makes you act. And I think that when you write, it's a little bit different. It's not exactly coming from inside. Of course, something is coming from inside of you, but then there is the world coming through you and you are like a filter to everything that is coming across you and then gets on the screen and then uh, and then on the uh, on the page so maybe ahmed is also a way of uh, for me to materialize this this idea of what's happening when you write who is writing when you write who is this person that writes
0: to go on from this thriller to two books that you've written that haven't been translated yet. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. N'appartenir, not to belong, and S'appartenir, to belong to yourself. Yeah. So, and that's a graphic novel or a graphic memoir, which really is quite different from Arab jazz. It's interesting because a lot of the people that you quote in Arab jazz, you know, uh, like Patricia Cornwell, Mm -hmm. she's prolific. I mean, these Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. crime writers have crime after crime after crime after crime book. And yet your next project... That's
1: what I call industrial uh, crime writing. (laughs) Exactly. But I mean,
0: your next book that uh, we will hopefully see in English is autobiographical.
1: Yes, it is. I don't know, you know, when I wrote... It's funny because, well, that's the world we are living in, but I just wrote one crime novel and I was described as a crime novel writer. And okay, but I just wrote one. It doesn't mean that the next book has to be a crime novel, you know. <laughs> I think it was important for me to to write about my story, not because I think that I'm so interesting, but because I think that it's saying a lot about the world we are living in. Because, uh, well, I was born in uh, in 64 and from a white French mother and a Mauritanian uh, uh, father. My father belonging to, let's say, more the Arab-Berber part of Mauritania, which is a multi-ethnic country. And the first time I went to Mauritania, I was 15 years old. And I had been growing up in Paris in a very leftist environment. And then I discovered the other part of, of my family and of my history. And it was kind of a shock, but a very in- important and and interesting moment for me. But in my generation, they were not... Many people like me, it was the beginning of this uh, intermarriage. So each marriage is one, but, uh, you know, and I think that France has changed a lot. And I thought it was, it was, I don't know, I felt the necessity of writing this memoir. So it's totally different. It's nonfiction, but it's a way, it's also an essay. It's not only about myself. It's like, I talk about my personal history but to try to elaborate some points about identity and to think and to try to, to go deep into what it means to belong and to, to, to think that you belong to, that you just have one identity. And, well, and I think this does not exist for nobody. I mean, if, even if your parents come from the, same, the very same village, you still have two families that sometimes are conflicting and, and you still are, are you, well, in terms of of gender, ethnicity, religion, politics, etc., I think it's impossible to say that you belong to just one group, one thing. And I think that there are always many people who want you to act as if you just had one identity, and that's what produces the violence. So this is well the kind of stuff, stuff I'm talking about. But it's not that serious actually. It's well it is of course because the themes are but. I also talk a lot about pop culture, which is one of my main uh, interests, as also can be seen in Arab jazz. So I don't know, like um, Twin Peaks, uh, Mission Mm -hmm. Impossible, stuff like that. And to try to explain, yeah, some points. And also my own relationship with music. When I was young, I was listening to like mainly British punk music, like uh, Sex Pistols, Clash, et cetera. And, And yeah, and how you go from there to Africa, which is a totally different experience. And also my mother was a Marxist-Leninist, pro-Albanian. So it, it was a very interesting moment also uh, uh, in French history the 1970s. Very, very um, vibrant and uh, politicized uh, moment. And I was a kid then. So then I tr- I try also to explain in the book what it is to, to grow up in a um, leftist, pro-third world environment in Paris in the 70s you know uh, while uh, being more interested for myself as a teenager into uh, girls or smoking weed or drinking etc so <laughs>
0: but, but it, it, it's funny that you say that because when i asked you you know this is your first novel was arab jazz mm-hmm. and then you said that people were trying to classify you yeah. as a crime writer that it even transfers into like how people perceive you even after writing. Exactly,
1: book. exactly. You always have, you know, one label, Can we put
0: you in a box. Yeah, yes. they
1: put you in a box. And, uh, and, and, well, then maybe you are going to be put in another box if you do something different. But it's, uh, and it's funny, because, you know, uh, in the bookshop, they didn't know where to put it, because I wrote a crime novel. So in some in some bookshops, they, they put it in the crime novel section. Oh, wow. <laughs> then it was essay, then literature. It, 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 each one made a different choice. It, it was an object they didn't know exactly what to do about. Mm.
0: Well well I mean with this multifaceted background <laughs> what are you doing next are you writing another book I hope
1: I'm writing another book mm. uh, which will not be a crime novel mm. and not a memoir either <laughs> it's going to be just just a novel a novel about Paris also uh, it's two young men aged 30 and they don't know how to grow up so they're going to be drifting one night in Paris and, and try to figure out uh, if they are still able to believe in anything, including love. And also with uh, many references to the Internet culture, of course. Well, not references. I mean, mean, it's just part of their life. That's it. I mean, the main character, he's, he's a geek. He's working from his home and he's a what's called a back-end developer so he's really deep into the software and uh, uh, can maybe have some difficulties to communicate with real human beings <laughs> <laughs> and he's also a binge watcher of uh, of Nordic Noir series
0: <laughs> oh wow okay oh interesting so it's
1: really yeah deep into our time that's many that's that's what's interesting for me and uh, and there is also going to be a bunch of uber drivers
0: <laughs> of course, it has to be Paris then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, excellent. Well, thank you so much, Kareem Musquet, who's the writer of Arab jazz, among other things. So we look forward to seeing your next book. Thank you. Thank you. That's all the time we have today. Thanks for listening to Africa Stories in the 55. I'm Laura Angela Bagneto. What are you reading? Let us know. Write to us at stories in the 5 5 at rfi.fr. That's stories in the 5 5 with 5 5 as numbers at rfi.fr. Goodbye.